Welcome to the Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Valerie. And I'm Bree. We're two writers and Harry Potter fans. In this podcast, we explore the Harry Potter series by reading it backwards. As you might recall, Harry and his friends discover the power of the Glittering Bell Jar in the Department of Mysteries as it causes objects to move backward and forward through time. We're doing the same thing each week, working backwards through a few chapters, starting with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Ready to explore Harry Potter in a new way? Then join us in the Glittering Bell Jar. Hi there, and welcome to the Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast where we do things a little bit differently and we read the Harry Potter series backward. Then we come to you and we discuss it. I am here with Valerie, my amazing co-host, as always. Valerie, how are you? I am good, thank you. I am wearing a, see, we keep talking about YouTube. We don't get very many viewers on YouTube, but you don't know what we're talking about when I reference it. I'm wearing my closest thing I have to Herbology shirt, which is my tropical shirt. I was trying to channel some Herbology into our lives because I don't know if anybody saw it, but last week on our social media, I shared that there's an entire new section of the studio tour all about Professor Sprout's greenhouse and herbology. And so one, go check us out on social media at Pod. And two, I felt like I just needed to honor that today. Yeah, I noticed your beautiful shirt. So it is noticed and appreciated. Yeah. Well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just a regular day around here, although I'm thinking... If it's going to get cool tonight, I might go roller skating later. So I'm kind of excited about that. Oh, that'd be fun. You do all kinds of interesting physical activities and sports and stuff. I'm like, I play Dungeons and Dragons and I go stargazing. <laughs> and you're like, I go paddle boarding and roller skating. Well, I'm not good at any of it, but I just do it anyway. And you enjoy it. That's what, that's the important part. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do enjoy it. Yeah. Makes nice. life interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to reference it, but part of it too is I'm channeling tropical vibes because my recording area is still very warm, so I'm drinking ice water and trying to be like, I'm on a tropical beach talking about Harry Potter. We should be on a beach talking about Harry Potter. That's Those are goals. So if you want to see us on a beach mm-hmm. talking about Harry Potter, mm-hmm. you need to go give us a review and a five-star rating, follow us on social, mm-hmm. subscribe, share, mm-hmm. help us grow so mm-hmm. that we can afford to go to mm-hmm. a tropical island and do this. Mm-hmm. I'll even make you a deal, dear listener. If you help this happen and we can actually afford to go to a tropical island, we will give away two tickets. Like, I'll just throw it down there. Because if we're, like, I I feel like a lot of times podcasts, I mean, there are lots of really successful podcasts do very well financially. And they support all kinds of charities and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to support the people who got us here. You know, like the the listeners, like we'll give away. Well, and if you don't want to go to a tropical island because not everyone likes hot weather, I really don't. We'll give away tickets to London to go to the studio tour or Orlando or whatever. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But it's only going to happen if you help us grow because we can only do so much. We make the episodes we share with our friends and family. We need you to do the same. I love that. That would be so fun. (laughs) Go to London. Yeah. See all the sights with two amazing Harry Potter fans. Two more amazing. We're amazing too. Yep. Yeah. We'll We'll make a group trip of it. It'll be great. I'm in. All right. So today we are going to get into the Harry Potter goodness now that we kind of got ourselves there anyway. We are discussing chapter three. This is episode 28. So we are very close to the end slash beginning of Half-Blood Prince, which is the book we're reading backward in the season. This is chapter three. 
It is not even at the borough. So a couple episodes ago, I mentioned how, you know, giving you context, if you're a first time listener, we are not at Hogwarts, we were at the borough. Now we're not even at the borough, now we're at Privet Drive. So we're stepping back in time with Harry through each of the locations that he visits in this book. And interestingly, worth noting, this is the last Harry chapter. So the next two episodes will not be about Harry, they will be about other characters because that is the way that the book is written. So just to give you all context, the other thing you need context on is that if you are a first time listener or you're relatively new, you might wanna go back and start at episode one of this season, if not the beginning of the show. There were 15 episodes, they're a little bit longer, they're about an hour long in season one, so it's about 15 hours, and then there's almost 30 episodes in season two. And the reason we recommend that is just because we're going backward and it's kind of weird. It's weird to jump in partway through anything, much less partway through anything when it's moving backward. Mm-hmm. Very true. So yeah, that that is just some general advice, take it or leave it. And the final piece of information that I like to give at the beginning of every episode is that Bree's going to give us a synopsis. I will read the last sentence of the chapter, which is the way that we read because we're reading it backward. And then we'll discuss and you can join us on social media at Pod in that conversation. If you have anything you want to share from an episode, we would love to hear from you. And we'll give you a reminder of that at the end of the episode too. Are we ready? Okay. Well, let's jump into the chapter. Let's do it. Okay. Chapter three, will and won't. The scene is set at four Privet Drive and Harry's upstairs room, which is scattered with his belongings all across the floor, beside the Daily Prophet with claims of Harry being the chosen one and news of the new Minister of Magic. Harry has fallen asleep, sitting up in his chair with a note from Dumbledore, letting him know he'll be coming to get him to take him to the borough for the rest of the summer. Dumbledore arrives at midnight to the surprise of the Dursleys. He invites himself in and pours them all a glass of mead. He lets Harry know that Sirius left everything to him, including number 12, Grimmauld Place. To confirm that Harry is indeed the rightful owner, Creature was summoned and Harry had to see if Creature would listen to his command. He successfully ordered him to the kitchens of Hogwarts after Dumbledore's advice. Then after a chilly conversation with the Dursleys, Harry and Dumbledore head out into the night. Yep. This is one of my favorite lines in this book as the last sentence. It reads, And now, Harry, said Dumbledore, let us step out into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Mm, love it. Just a lovely description. Just good good words. Good words. We haven't actually, we had some early in season one, some like, oh, this is just good words sections of the book. We haven't had some good words in a while. That's good words. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It actually made me Google like the best quotes from this book. Uh, I did get a couple, but um, not not as many as I would thought, but I did get a couple and we don't have to do it right now, but we could do it at the end of the episode if you like. And I want to just say some of them that I found. Oh no, do them now. We got time. I only have, I only have two cool. main notes in this one. We're going to, we need something to make sure that people are interested. Also, before you start, are they all from Dumbledore? Um, They were going to be. And then I kept reading and I just went through, I kind of cheated. I went through other people's lists and there was actually a couple other people that said mm-hmm. some good stuff. So I decided to do. Okay. Because I was just thinking a, a social media account called at Dumbledoreisms would be really good where it's just like wisdoms of Dumbledore. Ooh. I would follow that. I mean, you're going to see me promoting that next. That just, it just sounds like a fun thing to do. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I agree. There's so many little things that he says. He's like Bob Ross in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. What'd you get? All right. So uh, age is foolish and forgetful when it under- underestimates youth. Ginny says, you sort of start thinking anything is possible if you've got enough nerve. Like, I love that for when you're starting a new adventure for Harry. And is from Dumbledore. We must try not to sink beneath our anguish, Harry, but battle on. Obviously, there's a little sadder of quotes. Okay, I get it. 
this one, which isn't, again, this isn't as good as the one in this chapter. This one probably was the best one from uh, this book, the one that Valerie just read, but she says, or he says, yes, Harry, you can love, said Dumbledore, who looked as though he knew perfectly well what Harry had just refrained from saying, which given everything that has happened to you is a great and remarkable thing. And the reason I liked that one so much is I think that applies to everyone. I think everyone who is good and tries their best, which given everything that has happened to you, dear listeners, the fact that you can love is a great and remarkable thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. You should have done that at the end. Sorry. <laughs> I should have let you do that at the end. That was a perfect <laughs> ending. Yeah, that is really good. I mean, that's the thing, you know, we all carry our weight around. Uh, we may not carry Harry Potter or Tom Riddle or Severus Snape type weight with us, but we do carry something. And the fact that we can should we choose to engage our ability, we can love one another and we can care for one another and we can t- take care of our communities and our planet is a pretty remarkable thing that we should uh, we should do a lot more and we should give more credit to, like Harry needs to give more credit to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, speaking of Harry, a lot of his trauma shows in this chapter. It is a sad chapter. Mm-hmm. This is the chapter, and I just was going to, that was my very first note. This is the chapter where, again, I want to say it, we are two weeks from Sirius's death. It's a fortnight. So Mm -hmm. Harry has basically been sent straight home after the Ministry of Magic thing and then talking to Dumbledore and hearing the prophecy. And he's been there two weeks, and Dumbledore comes to collect him, and he's like, it's lovely. I only have to be here two weeks. But that means he's only two weeks, basically, from Sirius's death. And that makes it very raw. This is the only chapter where I feel like we get any of that. And it's the only Harry chapter left in the book as we move forward. So I guess that would make sense. It's the most raw. But he still he still would just prefer to not engage with it and pretend like it's not happening. And the fact that he has to deal with it on logistical issues is the only reason he deals with it at all. Yeah, you know, it wasn't even just... So in the beginning, and I didn't quite explain it in the synopsis, the way that the chapter is laid out and we the scene is set for the beginning of the chapter is... Harry obviously is, you know, it's the first two weeks. It's, you know, whether someone dies or you're heartbroken for whatever reason, you look rough, right? You're not eating. Your room is just, it had trash everywhere. Um, That part was obviously heartbreaking to me. However, the part that was heartbreaking to me was the first thing is Harry got the note from Dumbledore saying he would come and get him. He has been disappointed so many times in his life and has learned not to get his hopes up that he refused to pack his belongings until Dumbledore showed up because he could not bear to unpack his Mm -hmm. stuff and feel so let down and stupid that he believed in it. He refused to pack his stuff. Like, oh, my God, that's so sad. Like, and then another thing you said was he always stayed at least an arm's reach away from Vernon because he would grab him and, you know, presumably abuse him in some way. Like, man, and she does it in a way that's very light. So I think even reading as a college kid, like I picked up on it, but I didn't really give it much, much thought. But that is so sad. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore addresses it in this chapter. He's, I, I, that's my other note that I have mm-hmm. in this chapter, which is Dumbledore paused. And although his voice remained light and calm and he gave no obvious sign of anger, Harry felt a kind of chill emanating from him and noticed the Dursleys drew slightly closer together. You did not do as I asked. You have never treated Harry as a son. He has known nothing but neglect and often cruelty at your hands. The best that I can say is that he has at least escaped the appalling damage you have inflicted upon the unfortunate boy sitting between you. Mm-hmm. Which is about, to me, if I if if I were getting that treatment from Dumbledore, I would be like 
the most mortified and embarrassed. And I think Petunia is the most receptive to the criticism because on the next page in our version that we're reading, she says, Petunia was oddly flushed. She recognizes that they have not, she has not done her duty because really the whole relationship hinges on Petunia being Lily's sister and taking Harry in. That's why she's the one who gets the final say in whether Harry stays or goes in beginning of Order of the Phoenix. And so the criticism is really first and foremost of her and then of her husband and son. If she had told them they had to take care of Harry properly, they would have taken care of Harry properly. And they didn't. And that was all on her. Yeah, you're right. It really is 100% her fault. I guess I didn't think of it that way. They would have done as she asked. Like if she wanted to mistreat him, she should have not kept him. That's basically how I would see Dumbledore. Say. Like if you were going to do this, I would have rather you told me you couldn't take him because you did damage to him and he was already damaged and I was trying to protect him and you didn't do what I asked when you yeah. took him in. It did feel good that he finally addressed it though, right? Mm-hmm. And like he found so much joy. Dumbledore found a lot of joy. He was doing, if you didn't read the chapter, he was doing funny little things just kind of to mess with them. You know, like he forced them to sit down in the living room, like buckled their knees so they fell on the couch. He poured everyone a glass of mead, um, all five of them, and they wouldn't drink it because, you know, they're scared to drink it. And so the glasses, the whole chapter are literally hitting their heads Mm -hmm. like, hey, take me and drink me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And finally, Vernon was like, hey, can you make this stop? He's like, I guess the polite thing would have been to drink it. Yeah, he he does not uh, veil, he's polite, but he doesn't veil his disappointment and displeasure with them, which I think is a real skill in any human being. There are people who when they don't like something, it's just very obvious and they act like a like me, like maybe like a petulant child about it. Like, you treated me poorly and I'm going to make sure everyone knows about it. And then there's Dumbledore who's like, you did something I don't agree with and I'm going to be so polite that you literally can't criticize me as I put you in your place. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, though, in this scene, when Dumbledore is finally addressing the reality of how the Dursleys have treated Harry, there's no uh, there's no written narration of Harry's experience of that. If you look at it, there's nothing like Harry appreciated what Dumbledore was saying. Harry felt uncomfortable. There's none of that. So we actually don't see how Harry responds to finally hearing someone else recognizing that what happened to him was not okay, and that being afraid to go within arm's reach of his uncle is not normal and should never have happened. Yeah, and maybe there was just too much to unpack there, or she wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe that wasn't the point of the the point of it, I guess. It just would have been nice to see mm-hmm. Harry have that nice feeling. But again, maybe the point was to have all the attention on the Dursleys and not on Harry. Mm-hmm. So we want to feel all that targeted, that targeted anger and disappointment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And displeasure. Yeah, I guess, though, I would say, like, if it didn't matter what Harry, whether Harry responded to it or not, like, why do it in front of Harry? There was a whole time when he was upstairs packing when Dumbledore could have said this. I mean, it wouldn't make sense from a narrative standpoint in the book, but, like, he could have done it off screen, basically. And then, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's just one line missing. Underneath the the chill of uh, Dumbledore, Harry felt a warmth spreading through his chest or something. Something like that. Um, You know... I will say this chapter, I know I've read it before. Obviously, I've heard it a million times. It gave me, I feel like a little closure in the fact that I feel like a lot of people, including myself, get mad that he had to endure all this abuse. He had to like be in this home and it was really Dumbledore set it all up, right? And I think at the end of the day, it was written that way because that's life. Mm-hmm. 
because that's how if assuming let's say you know Dumbledore is the government and he is the person who has to decide who is best with who who is this kid going to be best with the government always assumes family mm-hmm. and obviously there's more magic intertwined in this but that is life and often family is not the best situation and there were a million of other people that could have treated him better and protected him at the same time but that's not life and if this book has done anything for all of us, it's given us a place to feel included, mm-hmm. you know, and that includes children who are in homes that are not great, that should have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good observation. I think it's probably also evidence, Dumbledore knowing all this is probably also evidence that Molly Weasley does correspond with Dumbledore, as we discussed last episode. Because she probably reports as soon as Harry arrives, here's how he looks, <laughs> Albus, here's what's going on. Yeah. He, he flinches when you come near him and trying. he doesn't know how to hug us. You know, like that sort of the stuff. Like if you think about the whole t- totality from her experience, the first time oh, she hugs him is the first time he's been hugged since he was a baby, which is mind boggling. Oh my God, that's so sad. Yeah, that's what the Dursleys did. And unfortunately, you know, if, if Harry Potter does give or did give a listener to this podcast that com- that level of comfort in their own situation. I that the, That's part of why I think, despite all the social stuff and the politics and everything else we try not to get into on this podcast regarding J.K. Rowling and current social events, that's why people still love this series, is because it gives people a place to be home and to be safe and to grow with this set of characters who struggle as much as we all do mm-hmm. with human stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes magic and fantasy books struggle with fantasy and magic and that that's its own burden, but it's like, that's not the stuff you can connect with the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Very good observation. Do you have anything else? Mm-mm. Yep. Yep. Me neither. We can wrap it up. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we've covered a lot of this, but please again, Go ahead to your Apple podcast or your podcast player of choice. If they allow reviews, just throw it in there really quick. Otherwise, join us on social media, Beljar Pod. Just give us a follow. Go to YouTube. Give us a subscribe and you can watch us on there too. You can see all of our faces and, you know, our crazy, mm-hmm. crazy outfits. Oh, they're really not crazy, but we wear interesting shirts sometimes. I got a Pink Floyd shirt on. Oh, no, I was wondering what you were wearing. Pink Floyd yeah. shirt. <laughs> so, anyways. Nice. Well, cool. Yes. Interact with us. We love to chat with you. Feel free to email us as well. Uh, podcast at followthebutterflies.com. Followthebutterflies.com is an, an amazing Harry Potter website created by Valerie herself with all sorts of Harry Potter magic in it. Go check it out. Uh, you will not be so disappointed. Yep. And last but not least, share the podcast with someone whose name starts with a W. Oh, okay. It's because the name of the chapter is Will and Won't. Oh, <laughs> Okay. I love it. I sometimes go very obvious on my connections. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that. It's like a lateral connection. So, Well, very cool. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We'll see you. See you next episode. Bell Jar is a Harry Potter podcast produced by the Calibro Group in partnership with Wild Goose Creatives. It is an unofficial fan project and is not authorized, approved, licensed, or endorsed by J.K. Rowling, her publishers, or Warner Brothers Entertainment Incorporated. Our theme music is Carnival of the Animals R125, Aquarium by Moments, licensed via Soundstripe. You can discover even more magic on followthebutterflies.com.